Welcome back to the Gay 15 interview. I'm Andy and your host for this monthly discussion with experts and amazing guests from throughout our Homeland Security community. This is the fourth of our four Gay 15 monthly podcasts, which includes our risk roundtable discussion. Jennifer Lynn Walker is a cybersecurity evangelist and Dave Pounders nerd out. Please subscribe and listen and learn more about the threats and risks facing us every day. Welcome to July as we continue through the summer of 2022. I'm really excited today to be joined by not just one awesome guest, but two fantastic ladies, cybersecurity pros and very busy and awesome people, as I welcome Amanda Berlin and Megan Rohde to today's podcast. Amanda, Megan, welcome to the Gift Team interview. Thank you very much for taking time out of your hectic schedules to be a part of this. Could you each may take a moment to say hello and introduce yourselves to those that are listening in? Sure. Thanks for having us on. Uh, my name is Amanda Berlin. Uh, and yeah, that's, you know, I'll tell I'll tell you more about myself in a little bit. That's who I am. <laughs> who I am. Yeah, that's who I am. That's it. <laughs> Megan, I don't know if you can follow that robust introduction. <laughs> yep. You know, <laughs> my name is Megan Roddy. I, um, I'm CFO with Mental Health Hackers, which we'll dive into, and that's kind of how I got on this podcast today, but uh, we'll go ahead and dive into the backstory later, I'm sure. Yeah, let's let, let's let's do that. So I'll, I'll say, you know, you both wear multiple hats, and we'll talk about that as we introduce you guys a little bit more to those that are listening and our friends that are listening, and, and then you're doing some important stuff, I think, for the focus of mental health, very near and dear to my heart, having been married to a therapist for my entire marriage. And, and, and it's really important today, I think, you know, with COVID, so many people really started to gain awareness and gain more appreciation for the challenges of mental health. And that certainly is a very real issue for all security professionals, I think, just like for you know, law enforcement and veterans and others to deal with just daily stress in so many ways. So, so grateful what you're doing and excited to talk about that. So we'll get into that. But before we do, I, I grew up as a hardcore comic books nerd, I'm still a big comic books fan and love things, all things superhero, really. So one of the best parts of comics is always the origin story, no matter how many times it's retold and revisited, it's always an awesome thing. So thank you for your extremely lengthy introduction. Can we, <laughs> can we dig in a little into your superhero origin story, sort of what drew you into cybersecurity and how did you both get started? Sure. Um, so I uh, kind of fell into IT in general. I was originally going to go into the military and then that didn't work out. So I thought I can type really fast. So I'll just go to school for computers. <laughs> sure, and yeah. then fast forward 20 years later and here I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I started out working at help desk at ISPs, you know, memorizing modem strings and helping people with their uh, DSL connections, you know, over the phone. Did that for a while, worked at a hospital, uh, and then kind of worked my way up through the ranks doing net admin, sys admin, um, kind of jack of all trades in a, in a smaller group of, of uh, you know, support staff at a, at a medium-sized hospital, and then jumped into security from there. I never even knew security was a thing as, as far as like an industry went. I just thought like it was just part of everybody's job. Um, and don't, don't we wish everybody took it that way? Right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I would love those sys admins everywhere. Um, and yeah, I had uh, Dave Kennedy came and did a pen test at our hospital because we're you know local and in, in near Cleveland. And he told me about conferences and about like pen testing and about all of this kind of stuff. So I'm like, holy cow! So I switched my trajectory. I was going to get a bunch of like Cisco. Uh, certifications and then changed my mind and started to go into um, all security stuff and then kind of landed my feet in defense uh, and have been there ever since. That's awesome. That's, it's amazing. I always love it, right? When one person or one good conversation or one job opportunity, whatever it is, can just take life in a whole different direction that oh, you yeah. anticipated, right? That's it's always amazing. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a person who really believes that that happens purposefully. And there have been a couple times in my life when I left the army, the first time I was kindly called back after leaving by choice, but the first time I left. And, and then when I, when I left to, to get involved in the work I do today, I felt like everything lined up so clearly that I had to take those changes. And it sounds like you had a pretty life-changing conversation there. That oh, yeah. You're on a completely different path. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. All right, that, that's great. That's an exciting backstory. And it's, you know, you can see the little cross section with some time in the hospital community and the mental health and what you're doing today. So that, that's very cool. So awesome. So Megan, what's, 
what's your superhero background story? Uh, I guess mine is similar in terms of the unintentional kind of fell, stumbled my way into it. Um, I went the, I decided to go the traditional route of leaving high school and going to college. Uh, problem was I did so younger than the average person. And when you ask someone who is of a certain age, uh, very young, what they want to do with their life, there's not much logic in it. Um, honestly, it was kind of like Amanda's, I can type fast, let's do computers. <laughs> Except I said, I like math, let's get a degree in it. Horrible decision. Um, but the school I went to, uh, while I was in my undergrad degree, still trying to figure out, because people are like, what do you get to do with your math degree? And I'm like, I don't know, I just like math. Yeah. Um, so my school had a digital forensics program and my minor was in digital forensics. So I decided to go into grad school for digital forensics. Um, and after my first semester, my advisor recommended I apply for a summer internship with the Texas Department of Public Safety's uh, SOC. And I didn't really know about InfoSec as an industry, like my extent of, I, I didn't have like computer class, science classes in school. So my exposure was just like the couple of introductory digital forensics classes I'd done. That's what I planned to do. But I decided I didn't have a better summer plans, So I might as well try this internship and yeah. uh, fell in love with InfoSec doing it as, as a broader category. Um, still pursued my degree in digital forensics, enjoyed um, digital forensics. But uh, yeah, went ahead and um, worked for the state. It turned into a full-time job working in that SOC. So worked as a SOC analyst for two or so years. Uh, then I moved on to uh, work for a startup doing um, doing a combination of IR, SOC work, uh, all sorts of defensive stuff. Eventually ended up at IBM doing threat intel, which was an interesting pivot. And uh, then finally ended uh, up where I am now doing detection engineering at IBM still. Um, so kind of been hopping around different types of organizations, public sector, startup, big yeah. Fortune 500, uh, then moving around specialties. So I definitely still have not figured out what I'm doing with my life, but yeah. But you're on a path, right? You're on a path. Uh, I'm on some sort of path. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that diversity. So, is, so is far, so far, just going with the flow has worked for me. So I, I don't see why not keep going. Yeah. That's right. If you I mean if you, if you're enjoying what you're doing, you're doing good things, and you know you don't you don't have to have that very deliberate spelled out every step of the way on this journey to somewhere you know figured out. I don't think so. That's awesome. Yeah. But then I think you're doing those different roles, public and private, and big and small. And I think mean, I think that's great. You know, it really gives you a lot of experience to draw from as you go into whatever it is that's coming next. So I want to ask you both. Um, a couple months ago, I had an, another awesome female cybersecurity superhero on this podcast uh, when I had a chance to speak with, with Lee Honeywell, who's really a great person to talk to. And, and she shares some ideas for those that are still in school and those are going to get into the industry. Um, and then back in March, Amanda, you tweeted, and I'll include a, a link to this tweet in the show notes, but you tweeted a hashtag InfoSec staples equals time for a new hashtag to help out our InfoSec students, ask some remedial questions that anyone got into that anyone going into a tech field should know was surprised they hadn't been taught these things in school. And I thought, I thought it was a great thought and a great thread. Any thoughts you want to highlight and more broadly, any best tips for young people or adults looking to make a transition into InfoSec and not, not just tying that tweet, but really more broadly, right? And, and I'll add any particular recommendations specifically for women they're trying to break into what can sometimes be not the most female-friendly industry. Sure. Um, yeah, the whole the whole reason that thread came about is I was trying to do some mentorships. And, you know, I, I created all of these questions and all of this homework to do. And it was all like, really simple, like, all right, um, give me uh, it was like custom subnetting and um, explain what DNS does in like layman's terms and, and that kind of stuff. And um, I was just, I mean, coming from help desk sysadmin that admin background into security, like all of that stuff I've known and I've worked with for, for so long. And then there, it's just not being taught 
in college or in, in a lot of them. I mean, some of them, sure, but um, and a lot of that foundational knowledge is needed for what we do, right? Like you need to look, be able to look at an IP address and know if that's internal or external or like reserved or whatever. Um, yeah, so those kind of things. Um, my go-to recommendation always is are, are twofold. One, uh, do as much reading and listening to podcasts as you possibly can out uh, above and beyond school, right? So there's like this podcast, all the other ones that you have, there's lots and lots of other very informational and helpful podcasts out there. Um, and then have your own lab. Like I know now, I mean, now having a lab is a little bit differently, different than uh, when I had a lab growing up, right? Like I don't, you know, not everybody has like a server rack anymore um, to, to do that kind of stuff, but um, you can, right? You can buy that stuff pretty cheap online um, and just do stuff, right? Like you can- Play with stuff, break stuff. Yeah, play like figure out how to configure a VPN or like, um, a DNS sinkhole or something security and tech related with your hands on keyboard. Um, and you really kind of get uh, just this empathy of what a lot of people have to go through in their day to day jobs. And um, anytime I'm, I'm looking to hire somebody and interviewing and all that kind of stuff, like that's one of the main things that I'll ask during an interview and I'll look for is just you don't have to be doing infosec 24 seven, right? It doesn't have to be like, you know, you're, you're on your laptop, you know, 12, 12 hours a day doing it, but it does show, um, you know, that you have some sort of passion towards what you're doing, right? You care about securing whatever that you want to secure, um, or, or working towards whatever goal it, it just shows. Yeah. It just shows that you kind of have a work ethic and, um, that you're willing to do some external research to to like build up those skills where you might not have them. You know, I, I love I love that in a lot of ways. And two, as I was add on to before coming over to you, Megan, is you know, one, my, my wife is a therapist. She's been a therapist for a long time. And I always, you know, remarked her just like one of the things I think really makes her so great at what she does, and she is great at it, is she's always consuming new information. She's going out to training, but even when not formal training, just like you said, she's, I mean, she's putting her makeup on and she's, she's got, you know, audio coming in and just like consuming information. She's, you know, sitting down for a while, she's playing something or reading a book and like, you're, she's always consuming more knowledge. So she's not getting stale. She's always learning and growing. I think that's so key in any career field. It just makes us all sharper and better. And with the ease of podcast today, there's like so much knowledge, you know, that's out there. You don't have to sit and read a book if you don't want to do that or the time to do that. But you can listen. I listen to you know, stuff all day long while I'm working. I don't take it all in. But I'm listening to it. And then the other the idea that tinkering, you know, that's one of the things I love about security is for a lot of folks that might find sort of the, the classroom environment not their favorite place to be and don't actually learn that way, you know, to get their hands onto something, whether it's the keyboard, you know, and, and, and figuring out how, how to code or fix something, or it's you know, playing with, with, with the, the components and, and building stuff, breaking stuff, making stuff happen, seeing how things connect. So many different ways to sort of explore in a way that's you know really beneficial for work they might want to get into later that can be outside of your know, textbooks and lectures, I think really helps. So those are awesome, awesome tips, Amanda. Thank you. And Megan, you you had a different you know way of getting into the industry. Any thoughts for you on sort of best tips for folks trying to get into the industry or anything for, for females trying to get into the industry in particular? I mean, first things first, kind of repeating what you guys said, like the gap between academia and the industry, I think in its biggest sense is, is the hands-on aspects, the practical knowledge, um, especially if you're going to traditional universities, like I got my master's degree and I don't know how it, it probably barely impacted my actual learning. I learned so much more just on the job because they didn't, you know, throw us PCAPs and get us to solve problems or analyze malware or anything like that. It was all just textbook based. And uh, if you know anything about academia, it takes 10 years to get a curriculum approved. So I was doing Windows XP forensics in 2018 because that was the approved curriculum. So um, definitely that, that keeping the knowledge up outside of academia instead of just saying, well, I got a degree, so I know the stuff because um, you probably don't. Um, but the biggest thing, if anyone asked me for one piece of advice coming into the industry, trying to get into the industry, the thing that's helped me 
most, especially in terms of progressing in my career as fast, fast as I have, which I feel like I'm progressing uh, quite quickly is um, networking, um, meet people. Like meeting Amanda alone opened up so many opportunities through MHH and uh, going on her podcast in the past. Um, conferences, a lot of the B-sides are like 20 bucks or free and are in every major city. Um, a lot of conferences, thanks to COVID, that's kind of one of the positive things that came up is it's reduced the barrier for people who can't travel to conferences. So many conferences have live streams now, um, if not fully online, Discord communities, Slack uh, teams, um, Twitter. There's so many ways to network. And, and just like any industry, there's a lot that comes with uh, the, the saying, it, it's who you know, so it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, a lot of opportunities can arise just from knowing people or knowing people who know people. Mm -hmm. Like even when I don't know people, a lot of the time I know someone who knows someone. So if I wanna make that connection, I have it. Um, so I say like, even if you're just like picking up for the first time, baiting gang into the industry, go to conferences like what's the harm in doing so for your local b-size that's 20 bucks like go meet people go yeah. to talks do cts that's one way to get the practical hands-on especially conferences like the b-sides um the people who are running those cts love to teach so you don't have to think ah oh, well i'm gonna get last place i'm gonna lose don't think of it as a competition if you're not there go in say hey never done a CTF. Will you walk me through this? And you're going to find people who want to help and you're going to build those connections for the next time. Yeah. And I think that's such a key component, right? Is, is I mean, we're, we're an all hazards organization at Gay 15, right? All threats, all domains. And I think what makes cybersecurity, one of the things that makes cybersecurity different than some of the other areas we focus on is just the rapid changing of the environment, right? And there's some things, you know, arson is arson, right? There's some changes to what might be you know, done, but there's some basic fundamentals that are tried and true. You can learn and understand from a classroom setting. With, with InfoSec, it's really harder to keep up. Like you said, you know, you're playing with Windows XP, you know, that not not helpful, right? Not helpful. Thus, wanna cry, right? Windows XP was, you know, was, was, was destroying that. So I think, you know, it, it is really important to have something outside the classroom. Although the classroom can be hugely valuable, mm -hmm. it really is important to do something outside of that to, to learn and, and keep current. And then, you know, relationships, my, my whole life is relationships, right? We focus a lot on the information sharing space, which is really getting the right piece of this to the right person over there. And, and that's all, you know, knowing someone, or like you said, knowing someone that knows someone. And so getting out to those events, meeting people, being a friend, helping people out, making relationships, become a trusted, you know, valued part of a team and people will find you and, and opportunities will find you. And I think that's, you know, that's great. So I love all those things. Thank you both very much for sharing that. Anything else before we, before we pivot off of, sort of getting the industry or anything you'd like to share there? Yeah, uh, one thing. Um, so I always worry because I'm, if I'm in a new environment and I don't know anybody, I'm very socially awkward. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in InfoSec, you don't really have to worry about that too much because they're yeah. like 50% of the people are there are socially awkward and anxious and everything. So like, you know, you're just like one of, one of many people that are acting like that. So you don't really have to worry. <laughs> <laughs> the most introverted community in many respects at the same time such an open and welcoming community in many respects yes. yeah, i think because there is that common feeling of you know this is sort of how i this is where i'm comfortable and like once you sort of like realize that others in the room are in that same place like people open up so much i feel yes. like so you know it's it's being able to sort of get past that first reluctant you know step and and just sort of putting yourself out there in different ways and like for me i mean i i, I joke but not really that you know it's really hard for me to leave my desk and so like any relationship that I've built over the last 10 years is almost always, you know, through, through, through Slack today, you know, made by email something before, but it's, it's, it's almost always virtual. And I've built some really great relationships with people that I still have never met in real life, but, you know, between zoom and everything else, like, I, I feel like I know them as well as I do my friends from, you know, college or even high school in some cases. Right. So it's right. many ways to connect and relate that allow us to step out of our comfort zones a little bit, maybe, but, build some of those awesome, valuable relationships. And if I could say, you know, a lot of people think, you know, tech, I've got to be in either you know, on one of the coasts, I've got to be in San Francisco or in DC. And and, and you both are testament to the fact that that's absolutely 100% not true, right? You got do you mind saying where you're dialing in? Yeah, from? yeah, uh, middle of nowhere, Ohio, so. <laughs> I'm a little bit better. I'm in Austin, Texas, so. <laughs> 
I have a grocery store within five minutes of me. <laughs> but not not places people necessarily first think of when they think yeah. of you know, tech and security and <laughs> yep. things you guys are involved with. And and that's and that's like totally okay. Like you can be anywhere today. And there's so many remote opportunities. There's so many companies just all over the place, right? So there's a lot of opportunity out there. So all right, well let's 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 dig into what first brought the three of us together into conversation, which is mental health hackers. I think I first came to know uh, MHH through a security group I was in, where I connected to Tom Williams, who I believe serves as the um, Veterans Operations Officer. And I'll include a link to his Twitter in the show notes as well. And certainly a lot to uh, mental health hackers. And I, I appreciate that you all have a focus on helping veterans. I think a lot of people overlook that and that's really great to see as, you know, selfishly as, as a veteran, but you know, from the website, and again, I'll have, I'll have links in the show notes, um, mental attackers is described as, as having the mission, I'm gonna quote here, to educate tech professionals about the unique mental health risks faced by those in our field and often by the people who we share our lives with and provide guidance on reducing their effects and better manage the triggering causes. We also aim at providing support services to those who may be susceptible to related mental health issues, such as anxiety, depression, social isolation, eating disorders, et cetera. Right now, I think it describes almost everybody anyway, but, but that's, that's awesome, right? We, we talked about your origin stories a little bit, but can you talk about how mental health hackers came to be, what your roles are today, and then what you're doing sort of organizationally today? Sure, sure. Um, so it started, well, let's, let's go before it started. So um, I... It, when I started in InfoSec, I started giving just talks on technical topics, right? Like a phishing program I did or like defensive steps you can take for this or, or whatever. Um, and I was asked to give my first keynote ever and I think it was 2017 at B-Sides Nashville. And at the time I was talking about like my own mental health struggles, like anxiety and depression and stuff on social media. And I was amazed at the amount of people that like their response was, well, I'd never have imagined that you were depressed. Like you're just always happy all the time. Like, I just don't understand like how that could be. Yeah. And so I'm like, I, I want, I wanted this, um, uh, keynote to be, you know, something that would help everyone, not just, you know, a defensive topic or, or, or whatever. And I'm like, all right, I wonder if, this could be a topic. So I started looking into it and, you know, put a, put a survey out there and just looked into mental health issues in STEM in general. And then also like had a bunch of people fill out the survey around like their personal thoughts around mental health and like, uh, like preconceived ideas about, about it and, and stuff like that. And that was the talk. So it was my personal stories mixed with this this is what anxiety looks like or can look like and this is what depression looks like and this is what adhd looks like and yeah. and that kind of stuff right um and then coping mechanisms and then i also put in there you know uh information about about that survey where it's like uh out of the people that answered it it was like over 50 percent of people like thought that like if they died it wouldn't matter yeah to you right and like talking about that and the fact that you know most grad students are depressed and have have contemplated suicide and all of those things like this talk went from giving it at one keynote to being asked to give this talk everywhere um and i had given it like 12 13 times i'm like you know what i probably could reach a bigger audience than just the people that are going to come watch my talk so I contacted DerbyCon because it was the first conference I had ever gone to and asked them if uh, they thought I could do like a workshop or something. And instead of just like four hours, they gave me like two and a half days oh, wow. uh, in a huge room. I'm like, oh, shoot, like, what am I going <laughs> to what am I going to do? So I put out this um, uh, they're like, well, we can find you sponsors or you can try like a GoFundMe. So I did GoFundMe just to see that I figured that would give me an idea of what the interest would be in the community. Yeah. And the first few donations we raised like seven grand and it like, it, it blew me out of the water. Like I had only planned for like a thousand dollars worth of stuff. I'm like, what am I going to do with all of this? I have to figure out stuff. So, um, yeah, the first year we did it was I think 2018 and 
Um, it was me and then a whole bunch of volunteers. We did a talk track on half of it where people would give um, like we had we had people talk about how to organize their pen test results and other people that have been through um, like abuse and trauma and all of that kind of stuff. We had veterans up there talking about their experiences and um, just a, uh, and everybody like it was just peers in the industry talking about their own personal issues right and then the other half of the room we had massage therapists like the like the chair massages we had coloring book like the adult coloring books uh paracord uh stuff uh fidget toys all, all those kind of things we had tea um we did yoga um in the beginning too in the, uh, the beginning of each day and I thought uh, like it went it went over fantastically. I had great volunteers, and then afterwards, I had people come up and ask, "All right, well, how do how can we have this at our conference, or how can we like support you and like donate so you could do this more places?" Yeah. And at the time, I was like, "I don't know. It's just me. <laughs> I I don't want to take your money and not have like a plan." Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So um, I knew Megan through. Uh, uh, the podcast I'm on breaking down security. So I asked her because I mean, who with a master, you know, who, who else has a master degree? You're definitely going to be the CFO because, you know, <laughs> math, just because you know about math automatically means, you know, about money, right, Megan? Numbers. <laughs> exactly. I needed some sort of use for that degree. Right. I wanted it to be just a paper. So I, I, say, like, I know math. High level <laughs> statistics and you wanted it to add, you know, yeah. 1,000 plus 200. Right, know? right. And yeah. based on the response of who wants to be CFO on that first board call. <laughs> There wasn't really any other. There wasn't, you know, that was it. Silent. Yeah, it was very silent. Um, so we ended up with six board members and we ended up, uh, that was September of 2017. We started operating as a nonprofit in Ohio in November. And then that next April of uh, 2019, we had our full uh, 501c3 through the IRS and just started going everywhere. Like we have a Patreon, we had people doing everything and just like, blew up and it's not something that like we just stumbled into it it was not something that i had planned on again like this is like i don't do mental health stuff in my day job right yeah. i do defensive security so yeah it was uh very interesting how it just gets picked up as something when there's a need for it yeah and and, and there is a need you know it's uh thank you for sharing that you know and sharing a little bit about you know your own your own sort of challenge at certain times and i think just for like the whole idea of being an introvert, I think people don't realize how much everybody else is also hurting. You know, I'm not shy about things. I always am happy to strongly encourage everybody to have a therapist, right? And not only because I'm married mm -hmm. to one, but because really everybody needs to work through those things, right? So few people have had an absolutely perfect life to, to, through adulthood, right? There's something probably to work out along the way and and having somebody to talk to you know is, is so valuable however frequent or infrequent that might be but having that relationship is so great and and certainly for for couples you know i've been, I've been married up on 25 years and there's no harm in, in getting help where you need help sometimes right so i think it's yeah. just everybody and um i'll share a story here in a little bit but let me let me give megan a chance to talk and, and then uh, then i'll add something on there but thank you for that Amanda. it's an awesome origin story there too and you know, again to see how how things come together when we have absolutely no plan of them coming together that way sometimes. So it's, it's, that's awesome. It's a great story and a great backstory. But Megan, go ahead. Besides being good with the math stuff, what, how, what else do you want to add to that maybe? Yeah, I mean, it's just been great. Uh, part One of the other reasons Amanda reached out was because I had publicly spoken about being an autistic adult working in cybersecurity and kind of made a lot of connections there. Um, so this gave me a platform to, again, kind of like, participate in that, um, I've experienced depression, anxiety as a side effect of that. Um, but I've also, I've never been shy to speak out. So I figure if somebody's got to speak out. I'll be a part of that. Um, I've loved being a part of it. Filing taxes isn't so fun, but <laughs> it's worth it for, for the rest of the involvement. Um, I, it, it keeps for sure. Um, I've luckily gotten to be one of the people who travels to all these conferences. Um, so like we said at DerbyCon, like right now, it's kind of just me and Amanda. <laughs> so uh, it, it, it's been a crazy schedule, but definitely worth it. Um, 
the kind of things I've seen and stories I've heard at the different conferences is just amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, one thing like when we started, we, we did get a lot of uh, flack on social media about how, you know, we're not doctors, we shouldn't be giving advice and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it, it, I always love how Amanda's like dug up every single uh, research paper in existence on peer support to throw back at them. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been great to just, uh, you know, building, building our organization and shutting down the haters. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's that, that's misdirected energy on other people's behalf, right? Because I don't think you're not trying to say that you're 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 neither therapists nor mental health professionals. That's that's not what you're doing, but you're providing that pure community, a safe place of where you know, people can come together in, in, a, in a comfortable manner with their colleagues, feel like there's trust and safety here, and just sort of talk and share. I'm sure you know those that need professional assistance are encouraged to do that, right? I don't think it is. so. It's uh, people look at things and judge uh you know that that's especially social media right god knows that's not the right place to get yeah. any kind of love right that's a, yeah, that's a, for sure. a difficult place so you know there's, i appreciate your sharing Megan, about about autism actually there's a couple of wheels spinning in my head right now because i think uh my somebody that's to, to, to connect you with uh, if that's okay but um you know there's there's so many different types of adversity and challenge for everybody right especially in the security industry where the level of stress is just constant right you can you can only always be vigilant all the time so much before it starts to take a toll on you, right? That the bad guys attack every Friday and every long weekend and every holiday. And you know, we're always being told to you know, remain vigilant. That goes for cyber and physical security, right? It's like, you're always on guard and, and that wears you out. And that really puts a toll on you. Um, you know, I had a chance to deploy the military three times into combat zones and they're all incredible experiences on their own, you know, many ways. And I, I got a lot out of them, but when I was in Iraq in 2003, 2004, it was very hard. It was, it was, it really took a heavy toll on me for a number of reasons. Um, but it was so much more difficult than anything that I was personally experiencing. And then that was, I say that was a pretty high level was, um, we started losing people to suicide, right? We, the, the first one came and happened and it was kind of, you know, it's kind of mind blowing seeing that happen. And then another and another. And another and and we actually my unit ended up losing more individuals to suicide than than hostile fire and that's a horrible statistic you know what i mean but but the reality that people felt so much pain so isolated so far away from life that they were willing to take their own lives i mean that's a it's a tragedy and a failure in many respects but it in, if you work in the security industry, a lot of those same stresses can exist in, in the day-to-day -day lives people have. Even if they're right there at home, they might still feel like they're in a foreign country away from their loved ones they might be surrounded by. So the fact you've helped create a forum, people to come together and to feel safe and things you're trying to do to get out there and advocate for these things and encourage good, healthy practices and ways to de-stress. I think it's awesome. I think it's really awesome. I commend you both. And I thank you both for what you're doing. And for those who are involved, it's a, there's, there's a good community of people that are trying to support it, right? It's not just the oh, two yeah. of you. Literally, there's, there's a lot of people trying to support what you're trying to do, right? Yeah, we have, uh, gosh, the last count was like 200 some volunteers, I think, on our Slack channel. Um, I can't remember. But yeah, we have, we have not only, it's not only just Megan and I that run these either. It is, we have, we have people everywhere. <laughs> so we yeah. can, everywhere. Yeah. Cause, um, you know, we can't travel for this full time because we yeah. do have jobs and, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, we have like mental health hacker village kits that will ship out to our ambassadors and like they can run villages. Um, that way, you know, we're safe. We're also saving money on hotels and flights and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we have, you have people all over the place. We have, um, there's an amazing amount of uh, InfoSec professionals married to therapists too, by the way. <laughs> I know of at least five now. I think you might be number five, just like right off the top of my head. Um, and we have a couple of them that are uh, actually volunteers for us. So um, like at Blue Team Con this, this last year, um, one of the organizers is married to a therapist and she talked about um, like the effects of sleep deprivation uh, on like your mental state and, and, and the effect of drinking on your mental state. And it was very, very interesting to have those kind of professional um, 
discourse also in, in the village. It's very, very nice to have that kind of information. Yeah, that's awesome. It's great to bring people in that can speak to certain aspects you know, with their professional experience and otherwise. So all right, well, I might know a young lady that uh, you should speak with there too. So all right, well, let me, you've, you've done a nice segue for us. I'm at villages talking about getting out there, talking about you know meeting people and events and cons. So DEFCON, you're going to be at DEFCON yes. next month, right? That's probably my yes. time this way we did. Very exciting. DEFCON is scheduled to, for August live in Las Vegas and as we said earlier, online as everything seems to be these days. So, you know, day 15, our team is very happy to help support Mental Health Hackers, DEFCON Village and events. Really you know, grateful for that opportunity just to associate the good work you're trying to do there. Can you talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing out in Nevada and, and the exciting things you have planned? Yeah, I'll, I'll let you go, Megan. I've talked enough. <laughs> Sure. Ian, chime in if I miss anything. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, we did not get accepted by the call for villages for DEF CON, um, but we did not want that to be uh, a reason not to do anything. We still believe what we do is important, whether DEF CON wants to give us a space or not. Um, so we went ahead, um, especially with the uh, uh, hiatus we had from COVID, we had a bit of money saved up and we had some sponsors such as Gate 15 mm. uh, come on board to support. And so we've booked a hotel suite on the strip at Caesars Palace. So right nice. around the area that everything else is gonna be in. Um, and we've got, we're kind of gonna run it like we run our usual village. We'll have our fidget table. Um, we have a call for papers open, adult coloring boats, crafts. So if you've ever been to one of our villages, there'll be a lot of familiarity. Um, but we're, we're going to do a couple special things. The one I think uh, we're most looking forward to is uh, Trusted Sec uh, ended up sponsoring a brunch. So on the Saturday, Saturday morning um, in the hotel suite is going to be free brunch for anyone who wants to stop mm. by, full breakfast spread, pastries, mimosas. Uh, so perfect way to start your morning um, or continue your previous day in some people's <laughs> cases uh so come by there or come by at any time for talks hanging out um red canary wanted to do a fun activity so we're actually i have a bunch of uh lego flower kits so people can build lego flowers and bouquets and and give those out awesome. uh we're, we're debating at some other things we might bring in. I know we kind of wanted to do the massage therapist things, but we're feeling out uh, whether people are comfortable with that post COVID. So still a little bit planning in the works. This will be probably our biggest event we've had um, since COVID, since we've started back up. So um, we're excited to be able to try out some new things. We'll be open all of Saturday for anyone and everyone who wants to swing by. Um, and you'll be able to check out our Twitter. We'll post the suite number and everything. Obviously, we don't have that yet, uh, but we've been posting information up there. So Gate 15, Red Canary, Sands, and Trusted Sec have all come on on sponsors, and we're hoping for a couple more. We're in talks, but it's been great to have um, these various InfoSec uh, organizations showing their support. It really means a lot to us. That's awesome. Super exciting. And I think with any any big events, it's, it's kind of cool sometimes to be one off from the main stage, so to speak, and give people somewhere somewhere else to go, you know, plus, yeah. plus, if you're listening, share with your friends, they know how to get a free breakfast while you're at DEF CON. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's kind of the idea where like everybody does happy hours or dinners or yeah. apps at parties, but like, I don't, I don't know that I've heard of an InfoSec brunch or breakfast being right. hosted. Yeah. So it was kind of that unique aspect plus brunch wins over every meal anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a great time and, and it is an escape. So uh, that's always been part of what the mental health village was for. Um, especially if it's your first DEF CON, you're about to find out the real size of DEF CON. So when you inevitably get super overwhelmed by all the people come uh, color some adult coloring books with us. So we'll yeah. chill out a bit. That's right, you got, you got a safe place to go and hide for a couple hours. Or if your friends yep. are like insisting that you go back out for more drinks, like you have a safe place <laughs> to escape too, right? So so that's that, that's awesome. So appreciate that. I hope it's a great event. I look forward to seeing some of your posts on Twitter and, and we'll be we'll be re-sharing uh, those, trying to enhance visibility of what you're doing and the good things going on out there. And so before we leave Mental Health Hackers, a couple of things we want to get into. 
is there a best way for somebody that's listening to connect with MHH if they if they're like, hey, yeah, this sounds great, I want to be involved? Is there a best way to reach out to you? Yeah, so um, you can email info at mentalhealthhackers.org or just follow our Twitter, Facebook. Mm, I think those are the ones that we LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter is at Hackers Health. And then the other two, you can just like kind of search in. But yeah, we're we're out there at mentalhealthhackers.org. Yeah, awesome. And we'll, we'll, we'll share that. We'll share the website. We'll share the Twitter handle. So reach out, uh, connect, and, and find ways to get involved or ask your questions or even better go up to DEF CON and meet people in person. So that's really exciting. So thank you both very much. Really appreciate sincerely what you're doing and, and trying to help the community, trying to help people in general you know, through those efforts. But let's talk about some of the other things that you're involved with. Amanda, you, you had some good ad, advocacy there for podcasts. Well, I appreciate you being on this podcast. It's not the only one you're involved with. In addition to many other hats that you wear, you're also a co-host of the Breaking Down Security Podcast. Always cool, cool to learn about other security podcasts and I look forward to checking those out. Can you share some about uh, the podcast and what you're doing and the guys that are involved with that with you? Yeah, um, they. I don't know when they started it a long time ago. I think I've been on for four years now, something like that. Um, so it's probably like an eight-year-old podcast. Um, but it started it was started by Brian Brake and by Brian Betcher. Um, and that's why breaking down security is spelled yeah. differently, right? Because his last name is Brake. Uh, we get that all the time. Like, do you know you spelled it wrong? But it's a pun. So, uh, yeah, and we we do our best to um, do, uh, you know, a combination of things. We have a really uh, active Slack and Discord community. Um, we do, like, you know, above and beyond the podcast, we have, um, it's it has its own nonprofit organization. And there's a conference that they do every August now in near Seattle uh, called InfoSec Campout. Um, and a lot of the money goes towards um, giving people uh, like trainings and like like sponsoring their trainings or, or um, uh, scholarships and, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been really fun. We do like we do news, we do interviews, we do um, like you know, short learning podcasts, stuff like that. So yeah, all over the place. <laughs> awesome. I, I love the ways people just find different ways to connect and give back, you know, and, and to contribute and provide some good and sharing resources. And that's awesome. Glad you're doing that. There's, I have to listen, I, I'm not familiar with it yet. I found out about while I was finding out about you and I was like, hey, I've got to check this out. So before <laughs> getting that, I'll listen. So thanks for sharing one more uh, thing for me to listen to. During yeah. My that's great. So and let's come over to you, Megan. I'm married to a martial arts enthusiast, right? So she's not helping people with their brains. She's doing uh, all sorts of physical activity and staying fit and sharp. And my wife growing up doing martial arts and been involved with Taekwondo, with Muay Thai, with Jiu Jitsu, weapons. So I, I don't mess with her, man. I don't mess with her. But you're a Muay Thai fighter and a coach. Let's talk about that a little bit. What got you into it? How long have you been fighting? And what are you doing with that these days? Yeah. So I've been training for about five years. Um, I started just because I was out of shape, gaining weight, um, wanted to get back in shape, but I knew I was not the person to go to a gym and get on a treadmill or lift weights. Um, but I did know I was competitive. So sports made sense. Uh, the lack of hand-eye coordination eliminated all board ball-based sports. Yeah. And, um, my lack of, uh, liking teams and group projects eliminated all team sports which kind of leaves martial arts is yeah. basically <laughs> the only non-ball, non-team-based sport. Um, so I started just to, you know, get in shape and in a competitive way. I had never expected to actually compete, um, especially being autistic. I do have a, like a lot of motor skill and coordination uh, issues. So like it takes me twice as long to, to nail down certain things in, in uh, athletics. And about two years ago, if summer 2020, I made my amateur debut. Awesome. Um, and uh, my coach says I was, the past couple of years, I've been the most active female competitor in the state of Texas. Uh, wow. It actually got hard to find fights because there's not many women now at the level I climbed to. Um, so I've been taking a break for a bit, fine tuning, um, but I've also been coaching. Um, in January, I started jujitsu. Um, just awesome, awesome not, martial art, right? I mean, it's so, yeah. so interesting. Yeah, and and it's um, I've actually got a 
jujitsu tournament, my biggest one yet in a couple days as of the recording of this podcast. So uh, trying to get more involved in competition there too. I just love to compete, win or lose. But uh, it was actually one of the funny things I found out uh, in the past couple years of competing and stuff and like started posting on Twitter about my competitions. Turns out there is a massive intersect between cybersecurity and martial arts. Um, one theory on Twitter when I was discussing this with people is that we just, you know, love self-torture. We choose, <laughs> we choose an industry in which we suffer, get off shift, and then go and get beat up. Um, so apparently that's just our mindset. We love. You're also punching love. bad guys in the face at the same time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Virtually fighting while uh, physically fighting. Right. So it's actually kind of cool if uh, anyone listening is going to DefCon, there is someone who annually hosts a jujitsu seminar um, led by Forrest Griffin. If you follow MMA and UFC, you know who that is. Um, and they're giving out custom rash guards with all the security sponsors on them. And it's beginner to advance, even if you've never done jujitsu, uh, you can hop in there. So it's a fun activity and kind of like helps with that intersect. There's a lot of black belts in the industry, a lot of competitors um, somehow. So it'll be a good mix of people who have seen um, all of us posting our videos of, of co competition. Um, I've, I've gotten together with some fellow InfoSec Twitter friends and done some jujitsu and recorded it and posted online. So um, it's, it's a fun hobby that I did not know would eventually intersect with InfoSec, um, but I love it and, and I plan to keep doing it uh, for forever. So That's, that's uh, awesome. It, it really, I think, does sort of get baked into your DNA after doing it for a while. Like my, my wife has to, she has to hit, like, it's just, she, like she has to do that. Then it's, it's part of, like she needs to get that out. And I think she, she like, she can do other things for fitness and she does, but like martial arts is like so key to what she does. So yeah. you've already dominated the state of Texas, it sounds like. So are we going to see you like in the octagon on TV one night? Am I going to stumble on like met Megan, you know? That's what and, I'm hoping yeah. for. Yeah. So, so ironically, I've never competed in Muay Thai in the state of Texas because there were no females or promotions to fight with in the state of Texas. Okay. I've had I've had two canceled fights in Texas, but uh, I have to drive to Oklahoma or Arkansas bordering states to actually find fights. So it's, uh, I actually hope to compete in Texas sometime. I don't plan on going pro, but I've already had a few offers from promoters just because they can't match me at an amateur level. So they're like, why don't you go pro? And I'm like, I really don't want to die for 300 bucks, but thank you. <laughs> So. the offer well that that's that's super exciting I'm, I'm i'm partial to oklahoma stationed there twice and my my oldest was born there so i'm a fan of the sooner state so not a bad place to to, to do some fighting yeah. so that's awesome well good luck to you and your martial arts Thank endeavors you. and I'll, I'll look for the uh the, the link for defcon and, and jujitsu and, and yep. martial arts, see if we can get that shared as well so that's for awesome sure. it's awesome to find communities and communities right so so there's so many ways to connect with people and like i said once we step out of those introverted shell sometimes you find oh man we have so many things to relate to right so it's, it's pretty cool so thank you for sharing and now ladies if you've never listened to this podcast before if you've never listened to our risk roundtable monthly podcast this is the part of the show we leave security behind for a moment and listeners and i get to learn a little bit more about you so i'm going to ask you three maybe silly-ish questions and your mission is to not think too much just to answer whatever comes to you all right you feel you feel safe to do this you feel all right. Oh yeah. All right. All right. Just, I, I wing it. most things. So, yeah, so just one more, <laughs> one, one more. All right. So let's do it. Let's do this. I'll let you decide how you want to answer first, second, however you guys want to do that. But um, I, I first one, first question. So I, I love fruit. I love sweet, ju juicy, delicious fruit from mangoes to raspberries. I, I love them all. So if, if you were a fruit, what fruit would you be and why? Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, Megan, can you help Amanda out? Can you buy her some time by sharing? Yeah, come on, come up with something. I, all I can think is like fa my favorite fruits. It's hard to think of. Right? Like, like what fruit am I? <laughs> Are you a hard coconut? Are you a, yeah, yeah. a sweet, um, you know, sweet mango? Are you a Maybe a bitter grapefruit, you know? <laughs> um, 
Well, you all, you all think about that. And let me know. That's a harder. This was a. That's lot a hard time. question. Well, you know, you know, I, I have to ask these questions twice a month. I have to, I have to sometimes reach a little bit into what I'm going to ask. Is a disproportionate <laughs> amount of my questions are about food and music, which leads us to the second question. So we'll give you a break on the fruit question. And I love fruit and I love music too, right? So if your devices were hacked and the adversary scrolled through your playlist, what's one of the most surprising or embarrassing? pieces of music or artists or songs that they might stumble upon i think for me like my my playlist is just like a bit of everything like yeah. it's insane how it mixes it'll go from trap music to like pop to to everything so i think the thing that probably is most unique among my entire playlist is either uh, I'm very partial to the Hairspray soundtrack. Nice, um, okay, all right. The, the, the 2000s version. Um, so there's a decent amount of the the Hairspray theatrical A release. disproportionate amount of Hairspray on your playlist? <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I also have some, uh, uh, I think I have some Turkish rap music uh, on my iPod from when I was studying Turkish as a language. Uh, I, I downloaded some Turkish rap. So those were probably the oddest uh, ones among the playlist that, that would definitely stand out. Yeah, I'm picturing you right now in your gi, like grabbing somebody's <laughs> arm with hairspray playing in the back. Yes, exactly. I put this together in my mind. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Amanda, and anything anything you could share that might be sort of a surprise or maybe a little bit embarrassing? I can, I can tell you as, as a middle-aged man, I said this many times, like when I get caught you know singing along to like Miley Cyrus it's not always right. a celebrated moment but you know I'm okay yeah. that happens she's a good artist she, she's, she's a, she's a really good artist. good artist yeah surprisingly yeah. good so I, I didn't know right. that until I came across her last album I was like wow yeah. this is actually really rocking so anyway that's 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 me what about you what about you I, I I have a huge I don't have anything as cool as Turkish rap uh but I do have a very wide range of stuff so like I grew up uh, I didn't know there was anything other than country music until I got to eighth grade. <laughs> uh, it was all like Garth Brooks and Travis Tritt and like, yeah. you know, all yeah, those people. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, so I have everything from country to, I, I do have soundtracks on there. I have like the whole Les Mis soundtrack. I right. like love that music. Um, I was also always a really big band geek. So uh originally i was going to go into the marines and be a professional trumpet player okay. <laughs> that was going to be my career That's path yeah so i have like a lot of big band stuff uh you know anything that's an instrumental and then i really got into like punk rock when i was in high school yeah so, yeah there's a uh and then now i listen to like pop and stuff so there's a huge range of of just random things I think you have to. I mean, I think when you're, yeah. especially when you're working behind a desk a lot of the day, like, I think you need different music for different moments. Like, sometimes, oh, yeah. Right? Like, you can feel it differently. Like, my wife knows, like, she knows when she hears certain playlists going, like, that's not the time to come into Andy's office and, and, and chat because he's obviously, yes. like, at a high level of stress. Like, she knows, she knows the difference because there's, you know, sometimes you just want something mellow. Sometimes you want that podcast and sometimes you want something that's like screaming loud, anger, rage. Yes. And, uh, so, so I appreciate that. So yeah, I need, I need something that I can't sing to when I'm working. So yeah. I can't play my regular podcast when I'm working. I have to play either classical music or like techno, you know, stuff. So, so that, that's a good point. Of you. So you talk about country. So I was never a country fan, right? My problem as a young new driver, I had a heavy foot. And so I was racking up tickets faster than I could afford. And so I was like, okay, music's a part of this, right? I, I saved up. I had a nice older firebird and t-tops like i go driving around with the you know screaming at music loud like, i've got to calm down so i started playing country as like a way to hate what i was listening to and drive slower because i couldn't get into it then after a couple of weeks like i started singing along like dwight yoakam was my favorite i like sing yeah. along like, i have now lost the positive effect of listening to country music i now like country music this is not what i wanted so that's yeah I, I, but i i i like that you've got both of you have variety there so let's do our last question i'll admit i tried this one last month on the interview and I was talking to Scott Algier and I'm not sure if it went well or not to be honest so we're gonna we're gonna try again we're gonna reload a little word association so I'm gonna say a word or a couple words three of them and 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 you're supposed to come back with the first thought that comes to mind hearing that word or words all right so 
Good good luck to you both. Oh no. no. This is is this a PG podcast? <laughs> You've got flexibility there. So okay. I, don't know I think it's safe. I think it's safe. All right. All right. First one The Office. Steve Carroll. Oh, yeah. Jim and Pam. Yeah. But both, both excellent answers. A lot of ways to go on that one. We, the Office probably comes up in my house at least once a day, like in some way, shape, or form. So good answers. Good answers. All right. Second one Dogs. Labradors. Wawa. Is that your dog? <laughs> No, I hate chihuahuas. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're looking around like I I'm not a dog person. So my head went negative instead of positive. Yeah, I had Labradors growing up. Okay. All right. All right. That's all right. Last one kind of relates to our first one, kind of sorta. So Will Farrell. Step brothers. Yes. Good. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna go bunk beds based on stepbrothers. <laughs> There's so much room for activities. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I think his second best role. I love that movie. It's great. But we, we came across the house a couple of years ago. Oh, oh with Amy Poehler. Yeah. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, you've got to see it. I mean, if you okay. like funny they, Yeah. They start an underground casino in their house to oh raise money for their daughter's college. Okay. It is, yeah. it is, it is an hour and a half that we do not stop laughing. There's some good cameos nice. in there. Uh, it's a funny movie. I was, it starts out with the old story of his daughter trying to get into Bucknell. And I was on a call the other weekend. I was talking to him with the Bucknell show and I didn't want to like break the serious conversation we had. But in my mind, all I could start thinking about was, was the house and like different bits from that movie. And I was like internally dying and trying to hold my composure. And I was like, sure, sure. Anyway, <laughs> that's that's not I have to rewatch it now. I, I totally forgot about that, but I'm going to have to rewatch it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's worth it. It's worth it. So and then you think I got the link you shared. Thank you very much. I'll make sure to include that in the show notes. And thank you both very much. That wraps I, up the, the I think I I think I know my fruit though. Oh, okay. Let's do it. I, I think it. I've got one too. Okay. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just gonna go with apple because it can be healthy at times and also like you can turn it and add it into like alcohol and stuff so you know it's very versatile it's very versatile you can make a pie you can make applesauce you can just eat it uh yeah it's just all all american American. yeah right good good answer answer. we won't get into the technicalities of which type of apple save that for a follow-up right right (laughs) megan megan did a fruit fruit come i think i was gonna go with banana partially because of its uniqueness like what fruit fruit operates like a banana like apples you got pears you know you got all the fruits that that are similar shaped and round bananas just this odd shape it's an odd way of peeling it uh and then a similar reasoning of like i I can take it to make banana bread sundays like (laughs) there's so many non-healthy uses for something that i could be healthy with so you both take this pure thought of fruit and you're corrupting them both. Like the first thing was alcohol and, 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 yeah. and, and yeah. All right. noted. No, but now I'm like really like, I want to go make a smoothie right now. I'm very right? excited for uh, you guys who got me on that. So ladies, thank you so much for playing through questions. Thanks for taking time out to talk about all we've covered, especially about mental health hackers. It's been really fun to get to know you. It's always fun to make that connection, find the opportunity to get to know people kind of sort of in real life. So really thank you so much. And thanks for sharing about who you are and what you're doing. Before we wrap up, open floor. Anything you want to throw out there, plug, promote, embarrass each other with? I'm not judging you. <laughs> whatever you want. Uh, let's see here. What to promote? Um, a second copy of my book should hopefully be out at the end of the year. Send links. Second edition. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, as long as other people pull their weight. <laughs> <laughs> We won't, we won't say names, but you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder which of the two authors listed on the book <laughs> you might be referring to. <laughs> you have to wait until you have like three or four authors. Yeah, <laughs> um, let's see. I think, I think that's it. Okay, if you awesome. ever wanna, yeah, if you ever want to talk about like detection engineering, both, both Megan and I do it now. So awesome. We've got a follow-on discussion to have, maybe, but we've got, I'll, I'll grab the link to the book. I'll find that. I'll share it. And we'll, we've got to say thanks. Good, good little plug there. Other two people, come on, come on, do your, do your job. Megan, we'll come over to you before it gets uh, dangerous. Yeah, I guess I'll follow Amanda on the authorship pass. 
uh, path. Um, my I co-authored a SANS course, Forensics 509, Enterprise Cloud Forensics. So the first public run of the course will be happening here in Austin in uh, September, and I'll be keynoting the same conference it's running at. And I've got some webcasts on the topic coming up. So follow my Twitter for any of those details. Uh, awesome. I send those out. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, congratulations to you both. That's all super exciting stuff and glad to share that. And I wish you both well in both those efforts. That's really exciting. So congratulations and thank you for sharing those here with me and for our friends that are listening. And thanks for all that you're doing. It's been really great to get to know you both. I'm really glad we did this. Thank you for taking the time out again. And thanks for all you're doing security, the mental health hackers, and so much more. For, for my friends that are listening, thanks for being part of our Gay 15 community. This Gay 15 interview is my monthly interview with fantastic guests like Amanda and Megan. Please check out our other Gay 15 podcasts available on the same channels you're listening and hearing this interview on. Those include, again, the Risk Roundtable, Jen, Cybersecurity Evangelist, today's Nerd Out Security Panel discussion. Please subscribe, listen, and share your ideas and other feedback. Reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn, via email. You can reach us at podcast at gay15.global. And until next time, live free and try to be at least somewhat reasonably safe. Thank you very much.